Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church dear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? Uh, you know what? That one works. Blake, when was the last time you feared for your life? When I was next to you and you were operating the new forklift on the first time. Welcome to the Church Gear Podcast, where we pull the tech director out of the booth and onto the stage to share the most outlandish stories and hidden wisdom from the tech trenches. And now, here are your hosts. I'm Blake Hodges, a man who would never drive a forklift, and I'm here with my co-host who drives it like a banshee screaming down a hill, Toby Walters. I drive it the exact opposite of that. I drive it at, uh, uh, like... Turtle pace? Don't even have a good retort. I mean, when you're on it, I'm like a banshee screaming for my life because I'm so terrified that we now have forklifts that take EV speakers up, what, 25 feet in the air? 20 feet? Let's not exaggerate, Blake. Oh, I really think it's 25. Yeah, so we finally got a forklift in the warehouse. And, I mean, I feel like the thing is about seven feet from, you know, front to back, like from the end, edge of the forks. And we have a 10-foot turning radius in between aisles. So you have to be extremely careful not to crash it into the wall of speakers that will come toppling down and kill you. Yeah, I mean, it is it it is a wild thing. For the first time in Toby's life now, he could get a text saying yes. so-and-so is deceased yeah. from Let, your building. Let's see if we can avoid that. Yeah. I mean, luckily, so, Frank is in charge of our operations, and oh, he's our safety sergeant, so. Yeah, he's got it. But yeah. speaking of things that Frank can't attest to, I mean, do you remember uh, us being in Florida not that long ago? How could I ever forget, <laughs> Toby? Do you want to tell the story? I mean, we were separated at first, Which so you I was, were on your own. I was very sad about, but it's like 1130 at night. It's the gear run of all gear runs. I think and I left. You had just picked up gear from a church at like 10 o'clock at night that they left out on their loading dock. Like nobody was there, right? Got so straight up. When I pulled into that uh, parking lot, I drove around like trying to figure out where the gear was. I had to like slow down, get out of the van, walk up to the doors. I see the cleaning ladies. They look at me and I'm like, they think I'm about to murder them. And so then I get back in the van. I go to another entrance. I finally find the gear. I start loading the gear into the van. Wild dogs are barking in the background. <laughs> I'm like, this is not great. Was the gear actually inside a door or was it sitting outside? It was sitting outside. Okay. And I I, I only grabbed half of it because I really didn't want to take the time. Like, I just grabbed the important <laughs> stuff, like the a- avioms. Um, I left. That's the important stuff. I the left avioms. the SSLs. Yes. The... Um, the I like when you, when you try and use tech words properly. Well, it's very cute. And I wasn't strong enough to pick up the Midas board, so I just left all that there. Yep. Um, but then I'm driving back. I'm trying to get to the hotel. And, and you're driving from Tampa back to Orlando. So it's about an hour and a half-ish. Yeah, I'm leaving uh, Tom Brady's home to get to Disneyland, <laughs> and a nuclear bomb is dropped. That's how it sounds. Like, the sound suddenly is like... <sighs> is coming over the top of my head. And you're driving the church gear van towing a trailer. Yes, which I do not love. And so then I think, okay, maybe like a plane is going overhead. There's no plane. 
So then I look in my rear view mirror and smoke is billowing out behind me like I'm Anakin in the podcast racer in episode one of Star Wars. And I can't fix that with a little switch like he could. So I end up pulling over and the trailer tire has exploded. Mm, that's always fun. I don't know what to do. I'm not a car guy. And I call Toby and I'm like, Toby, what do you do in this situation? And he is like, I'm trying to sleep, dude. Yeah. He could not care less. So it was like 1130 at night. I want to call someone to come fix it. Well, Toby is cheap and won't let me call someone to fix it. No, he tells me to call the insurance people. Yeah, because we should have like roadside assistance. Well, after I had talked to the insurance people for 45 minutes on the side of the road, they're like, uh, yeah, we, we cover the van, but we, um, we, we do not cover the trailer. The trailer is an accompaniment, <laughs> and it would be an extra charge. And so I hang up with these people. Um, I call <laughs> some dude named Bruce. You called me back. And I'm like, here, here's Bruce's number. Well, this is before I feared spending money. Now I just, whatever I need, I yeah, spend the right. money. And so he comes, fixes the tire. His head is like, you know, six inches from getting knocked off by the cars going past him. And I was like, aren't you scared? And he's like, well, you can't be scared if you're doing this job. And I'm thinking, well, you're not going to be alive for very long either. But yeah, that was the last time I was in Orlando and I will never go back. No Disneyland for me, ever. And have you ever driven the, the van and the trailer since? Probably so, um, but thankfully I'm not on as many gear runs now. I'll happily take the van, taking the van to Chicago, to Chicagoland, but I'm not going to Florida. And I love how you, like the entire rest of the company, would much rather drive a 16-foot box truck than drive the van and the trailer because it's so much easier. But you are like, nope. I'll do a 12-foot box truck, but I was you, it was... you can't fit enough gear in a 12-foot box truck, Blake. So if I if I would have died on that road that night, would it have would the story have been Florida man because I was a mm -hmm. man in Florida, or would it have been Tennessee man dies <laughs> no, as Florida man? I think as soon as you cross state lines, you are Florida man. See, I do say born in Tennessee, live in Tennessee, die in Tennessee. So I am immortal if I'm not in the state. Mm. I have to die here, right? Because yeah, you're in charge of if that. You say something long enough, <laughs> it Perfect. becomes true. Then how come I fired you like 47,000 times, yet you're still here? Well, I'm the only one that has that power. Oh, right. And speaking of someone who has a great deal of power, the a church tech <laughs> consultant and coach, Jared Toger. Welcome to the show, man. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Did I say your last name correctly? You did. Darn it. It's uh, it's very confusing when you, when you look at it. It's... Uh, it very much seems like it should read a different way. Mm. So it's the Polish descent. It's really what it is. Blake, I wish we were uh, recording video on this because I feel like um, Jared's head. So he's got his background blurred out, and it, like, don't you essentially look just like your like cartoon headshot? Well, his, like orange I, exactly beanie, like orange beard. It's just, it's this amazing. Well, he looks just picture. like my brother-in-law, quite honestly. Like it is shockingly similar. Is he? I would, that would be cool. I'll take yeah. Jared. Um, <laughs> Jared, can you confirm or deny that you were the one that put the nails on the road that bust my tire since I was in uh, your city? I have possible deniability. Mm. I mean, it was somewhere between Tampa and Orlando. Yeah, Don't you, you kind of live somewhere between Tampa and what Orlando? What were you doing that night at 11 o'clock? I do live exactly between Tampa and Orlando, <laughs> actually. I am a midway point. That'd be amazing if he was out there with a sniper rifle and just took out the trailer tire <laughs> just for this podcast story. You know, I should have called Jared. I knew Jared at that point. I should have been like, Jared, come save me. Yeah, he looks like a man who could change a trailer tire. He looks like someone who would actually care about me at 1130 at night, unlike uh, other yeah, people in this I, room. I just wanted to go to bed. Like, Okay. Uh, Toby, what's, your, what's a bigger <laughs> desire for you, sleep or lunchtime? Ooh, 
that's a tough one. That is a tough one. Man, tacos or nappy, you know? Mm. I won't make you pick if you can't. I know. I need both. All right, Jared. So I feel let's, like it's tacos followed by a nap. Yeah. See, for me, it'd be burrito because you need a lot of substance to put you into a nap. It's like one fuels the other, you know? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Here we go. I am a strong Enneagram 8. Is that your segue? Do people even know what you've done now? What do you mean? You never said, like, let's go over these truths people and a lie. People know. We're doing the five truths and a lie here. What about for our brand new listeners? They've never heard this segment. We, They're just huge fans of Jared Toger. Toby, I don't think we pick up any oh new people anymore. Gosh, it's, on Jared's episode, we it's, will. It's our ride or dice. All right. <laughs> I'm a strong Enneagram 8, which is the first one of the five truths and a lie that Toby really wants you to know. Number two. I mean, he just lays out a challenge right there. Number two. It sounds like an eight. I married my high school sweetheart. Hmm. Number three. I was a tech director for real life for 12 plus years. Is that like a tech director <laughs> in real life? I know. Like just for real life in general. <laughs> Anytime I, I say something now, I'm going to say I did it in real life. I, I blew a tire in real life. <laughs> I just, I love these church names and I helped plant a church called Existence Church. And you can't imagine like how often people are like, that's Existence amazing. Existence Church. Oh, you know, it's. These church names are just hilarious. Real life, existence, all there, this stuff. There's a church on the way to my movie theater that is called Micah Church, and I'm mm. just like, did you just flip to a random book in the Bible and that's how you picked? I thought you were going to say it's called Church on the Way to the Movie Theater. LOL. That would be funny. Number four, I've mixed audio for Tadashi, Mandy Harvey, and worked with several other well-known artists and celebrities. Mm -hmm. Do you think he wrote that because now he's worked with us? We're really well-known artists. You stole my joke. Aha. Number one five. of the two of us are celebrities. Blake. And then one of us is an artist. Number five, I've helped build and launch conferences and fundraising events for nonprofits. Okay. He looks capable. Number mm -hmm. six, in my spare time, I like to make custom leather goods, keychains, desk mats, belts. And number seven, I have been a beard or a member of a beard club for around five years now. Now he snuck an extra one in here. You know, six of them is supposed to be, or seven, it's supposed to be seven. six. Yeah. So is he an overachiever hmm. or a cheater? I mean, Mm. Mm -hmm. Those are good questions. I mean, look at that beard, though. That took several years to grow. Yeah. I mean, that's down to your nipple line. It's mid chest. Is that, okay. yeah. is that a thing? <laughs> Imaginary line where your nipples intersect is All where the beard reaches. Right. All right. All right. I'm going to say the lie is the tech director. Wait a minute. It says plus. So I was going to say maybe it was 13 or 14. All right. I'm going to say the lie is number four, the audio... Mixed audio for Tadashi, Mandy Harvey. Maybe maybe he's mm. like one of those two is a lie, but it's baked I'm in the gonna truth. Well, I have to choose one, but I think it's either the Enneagram 8 or the uh, the leather goods. I'm going to go with the leather goods. I feel like he does do something manly in his spare time, but not work with leather. I'm going to say it's like maybe he works with like wood. Mm. Maybe he works with car tires. Or plastics. Or rubbers. Yeah, like car tires. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jared. <laughs> what What's the lie here? Uh, the leather goods actually is the lie here. Yes, I do love leather goods. I just don't have time to manufacture them. Mm. Blake, if I had a dollar for every time I was right and you were wrong, you'd have five cents. I'd be a very, very rich man. All right. So, uh, Jared, tell us about being a strong Enneagram Eight. Do you get in a lot of fights? Do you have a With shirt that Blake? says that? I don't know that I say I get in a lot of fights. I just know that I'm right most of the time. Mm. Oh my gosh, that reminds me of somebody I co-host a podcast with. Man, I, li <laughs> I like your energy, Jared. <laughs> you know who else? See, uh, 
I, I know Blake is also a strong Enneagram 8, and so I was messing with him the other day, and I was like, you know who else is a strong Enneagram 8? Dwight Schrute from The Office. No. And he's like, oh, no. 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 It's literally a Dwight Schrute... Um, Pez dispenser. Pez dispenser looking at me over yep. the over Judging studio. Judging you. Yep. No. That's amazing. Approving and applauding me. <laughs> if Dwight Schrute is approving and applauding you, Blake, you got other problems. Well, that's probably true. Um, okay. Tell us what conferences did you launch? Did you, wait a minute. Did you make Philo and Todd Elliott's just been claiming credit all this time? I, I wish, but I, I got to give that up all to Todd. <laughs> no, uh, there's been a couple conferences that I've helped just come alongside of and help with some of their load in and technical details in the background, creating riders and things like that. And then uh, a friend of mine actually lives up near you guys there in Franklin. Oh, for um, salt? No, no, not that one either. You just keep striking they, uh, out, Blake. It's okay. We're wrong sometimes as eights. <laughs> not, <laughs> not usually. Only though. to each other, though. You just don't admit to it. Correct. Correct. Never admit to it. No. No, so I have a friend that lives uh, up in the Franklin area, and they have a program called Walking the Text. It's a YouTube series, helps people understand the the Bible and its biblical historical context. And uh, along with that, they have launched a conference or relaunched a conference. And uh, it's actually hosted at, I think it's your church there, Toby. A uh, Church in the City is where we did a couple of recordings for that. Yay, Church of the City. Yes, that's where I've been going for the last year, and I love it. Because Toby's a traitor. Um, I thought. No, I also love whoa. fellowship. Come no, on. If left. I could go to both, I would. Blood on his hands. Um, I know, there is. When you said church text, I heard like, you know, church tech. The text, the X in that text really surprised me. Ah. Um, yes. All right. So tell us about mixing for Tadashi, Mandy Harvey. Is Mandy Harvey Steve Harvey's wife? <laughs> no, definitely not. So um, back when I worked at uh, Real Life Church, we had a, a series we did called Stories where we would bring in different people and kind of tell their, their story about, about life and how they're using their faith to live that out. And, uh, Mandy was a deaf recording artist. Um, she's incredible. She plays ukulele. She's been on a, a couple of shows that you might've heard of, uh, America's got talent. Heard of it. Yes. Heard of it. Yeah. yeah. Been yeah. on it even. Um, <laughs> hey, yeah. Man, she can play an instrument, but she is deaf. She can play an instrument. She has perfect pitch when she sings. It's incredible. Wow. Can she like feel the vibrations? Is that how she? Yeah, she does uses it? the floor to feel the vibrations. Wow, that she's real life daredevil. Oh yes. my goodness, that is incredible. It's incredible. All right, so that's... Been, it was awesome. Got to mix for her uh, Tadashi when he was in doing an interview. So that was great. Got to work with him and his drummer. So fun times, man. Just a, a lot of great times and memories there. Spent doing that and made a lot of really cool connections along the way. Blake, I don't know if you knew this, but at Fellowship at our Franklin campus, um, I don't think he's there anymore, but there was a really well-known uh, blind artist that was on American Idol, like got really high up in it, and he was one of the worship leaders at Fellowship. But he was blind, he played keyboards, he sang. See, I've heard that like, when you lose one sense, your other senses get heightened, so that makes total sense to me that he could play piano blind. But thinking of someone playing an instrument and they can't hear yeah, it... Yeah, that's wild. That is... That's like a Beethoven who lost his hearing and what? still composed symphonies. Well, yep. All right. My mind is blown. Um, and I'm not working for this today. I'm just going to Google the videos of Mandy Harvey playing. Um, all right. Tell us about being a tech director for real life for 12 years. What was, were you a tech director in real life? Were you a zoom tech director? What does that mean? No, real life was the church. And, uh, 
I got the pleasure of working there for a little over 12 years full-time, and I was on staff part-time before that for a number of years, uh, kind of lost count of. But super cool opportunity. Uh, at one point, they were uh, eight campuses. So we were multi-site, streaming a bunch of things. Uh, we were always trying to do some things a little bit different than other multi-sites. So we incorporated set designs, things like that, all at the same time, you know, one week, eight campuses some of them being portable. So uh, a lot of crazy logistics in the background that I got an opportunity to learn a ton from and uh, what to do right and a lot of what not to do. <laughs> what was something not to do that you learned? Don't try and do eight set changes in the same week, oh, especially yeah. when three of your campuses are portable in and out of a trailer. Set your set your bar a little lower. Yeah, don't, like don't seven. Kill yourself. And yeah. Blake, before you even started at Church Gear, I went down to Florida and bought a whole bunch of gear from Real Life. Really? Yeah. In July in Florida. Did you know it's hot in Florida in July? Yeah, that might not have been the best time to go down there. When you're loading a whole bunch of gear into a trailer outside in July in Florida. That's when you, you lost 10 pounds, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, in about an hour. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> that's insane. That's, that's correct. Uh, it's so brutal. So it was real life. That was the first church that you worked at, essentially, and worked there for a really long time. Yeah. First and only church I've ever really been on staff at, but worked there for a really long time. Had a great and still have a great um, relationship with the lead pastor there. Uh, he and I are really good friends. He was my youth pastor when I started going there. And then over the years, things developed and uh, came on staff there, uh, then came on staff as tech director. And and it was, it was a great time. But uh I knew there was uh, kind of a calling in my life to do a little bit more than just one church. So looking up at things and kind of the world changed in 2020. And a little bit. I was, I was saying no to helping a lot of churches figure out how to stream video because believe it or not, in 2020, there were still a whole lot of churches that weren't streaming video. Mm -hmm. And did you get your start? Like did you being at real life get you into tech? Uh, a little bit. I'd always kind of been into tech. I've been really into music. I came from, oddly enough, I lived on a farm growing up, super in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. So non-musical church that I grew up in. And then uh, my family moved to Florida. And when we did, we started attending what would eventually become uh, real life. It was called something different at that time, not even in the same location. And uh, really got into music there knew the the worship leader there and uh we're still really good friends to this day and uh music just really had a big influence on me and uh originally i was going to go to school to be a chef of all things just because two of my favorite things are music and food they kind of go hand in hand but i decided college was really expensive for chefs mm, it really is um i got a guy who was worship pastor slash chef at a church i went to growing up and he was he told me the debt number for like chef school, and I was like, that is insane. And is our buddy Tyler Moss out in uh, at Casas Church in Arizona? He he went to school to be a chef as well. well. Did he go to school, or was he just? Or wait a second, was that? Uh, I think I'm getting our our buddies wrong. Uh oh, how much are they really your buddy if you're getting them wrong? I know. <laughs> I think it was our buddy at uh, Without Walls Church. Oh, um, Jeff. Jeff Watkins. Yes, I almost called him Jeff Wilson, oh, but Jeff. that's the. Jeff, my man, I'm so sorry. He's probably listening to this just shaking his head like, Toby, I thought we were bonded. He's <laughs> bonded. But yeah, this is like the, <laughs> the like third church like tech or worship guy that we've 
talk to or know about that went down the road of being a chef. Church. Like, is there a is there a theme here? It's like chefs, pilots, and architects. That's what we hear the most of. Mm. So, was there a moment? Yeah, for I you, do want to. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, I was going to say. I think it's just because we all love to eat. That's yeah. That's and you kind of have that like mix thing. I mean, that's you can what it mix is. audio. You can. It's like it's being creative. It's like putting elements into a bowl and making something out of it that, you know, is very much being a church tech. Um, yeah, definitely. Was there a moment for you where you kind of had to decide, do I want to go the music route or do I want to go the production route? Yeah, honestly, it was the beginning of college. Um, I was homeschooled growing up uh, right before it was really a popular thing. And there weren't a is lot Is it a of... popular thing now? Very much so, Blake. Okay. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say though that then there weren't a lot of programs giving out free money. Uh, so when I found out how much tuition was, I was like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and get out of that. And at that time I was already in church serving and doing things. So, um, I kind of just put my head down and kept working and then found out, man, I think I could make a career out of this if I ask the right questions and find somebody to kind of mentor me. And did you ever get any formal education in tech or did you get real life, oh, pun intended, education? You know, it's funny. I've never actually went to college for it at all. Um, I've picked up programs along the way. I've paid for classes here and there for things I knew I needed to learn, like networking. Because um, I was right in the middle of that turnover in production where the world went from copper snakes and audio to network cables. Mm. Copper snakes. That sounds like a like a prophecy in Revelations. It's a great band name. LOL. Um, so then, how <laughs> long were you how long were you there serving before you started working there? Like how? Because it, oh, essentially man. you gave yourself self college. So I mean, how many years did that have to take? Uh, I was at Real Life, man, since probably ninety eight or ninety nine, and uh, I kind of came on staff part time, just helping with youth stuff, overseeing that. Uh, I did a little bit of a little bit of DJ work for the youth program. Nice. Um, got into mixing some audio there and uh, kind of moved up from there. Kept my head down and just served in whatever way I could. I oversaw children's ministry, youth ministry uh, from the technical standpoint. And then came on staff full time uh, shortly after I got married um, in 2009. We've been told that cutting your teeth as a church tech in the youth room is actually pretty educational because all the gear in there is like the, well, we'll give it to the the youth. Like whenever the gear gets upgraded, all of the older gear goes to that room or it goes to us. <laughs> um, yeah. So you were saying that you you started to get a lot of calls or emails or people just asking for help, uh, especially when COVID hit, like how did you kind of become the guy that everybody started calling? Yeah. So a few years before that, I started uh, a small business, just doing some consulting with new tech directors, just helping them understand how to talk to their worship leaders and lead pastors. Um, hanging out in that circle, really found out that guys were getting stressed and frustrated but it was just because they didn't know how to have an honest conversation with worship leaders and their lead pastor. So um, doing that, having phone calls and some connections with churches here and there, I started getting texts and calls when COVID hit like, Hey, we've never, we've never streamed outside of just cameras in the room before to our overflow service. What do we need to get set up on the internet? Do we have the gear we need? How do we start putting this out to the world? What do we need to do to be on 
camera only, essentially. Interesting. So it sounds like you had some soft, like, people skill issues to help them with, like, understanding their pastor and worship pastor, as well as a whole list of technical issues. So what was some of the, like, overarching you know, soft skill things where it was like, this is the break. Did you have like a, a common theme of this is the thing you really need to understand about your pastor or worship leader to communicate with them better? Was it like an eight step process on how to get there? Like what was, tell us more about that. So typically what I would do is just listen to what was happening. A lot of times I get contacted and be like, Hey, we're having this problem with our, with our services. Like our transitions never seem to go well or, you know, my pastor's telling me this, but then what happens, it, it doesn't come off right. What can you take a look at our services? So um, a lot like I do now, I'll, I'll look at their service and kind of evaluate and give them feedback. And then from there, we find out, oh, it was a communication problem. They didn't know how to talk to their lead pastor and understand his expectations or their worship leader and understand their expectations to make that vision a reality. So that's where you take the, you know, the tech part comes in. And understanding how to use the gear that you have to make that a reality in real life. Not like, oh, hey, uh, yeah, we can do that or we can't do that. A lot of tech guys just kind of get that uh, rap of being the grumpy tech guy that says no all the time to things. So I really wanted to never be that guy. That's kind of the mission I set out in life is I don't want to be the grumpy old tech guy. As the grumpy old church gear guy. And Blake is nodding his head right now. But I'm thinking, you know, knowing Blake as an Enneagram 8, I'm guessing you don't struggle going into hard conversations. You're kind of like, oh, we need to have a conversation. Not like, let's do this. But I know for myself, and I'm sure a lot of tech guys, like, that's our nightmare. Like, having to talk about something that we really think is hard and we don't want to. So uh, I think you're like God literally created you to be in a good position to help people with these hard, hard conversations that need to happen with their pastors and their worship leaders. Definitely. Uh, I would say nine times out of 10 with the, the coaching and kind of mentorship programs that I do. That's the common theme is I'll, I'll be the one that comes in a room and will actually ask the hard questions between the pastor and the tech director, the pastor and the worship leader uh, that they can't just, seem to get down to themselves because confrontation scares a lot of people. I think that's the gift of the Enneagram 8. I, I kind of love it. See, Jared, it's so funny. When you're an Enneagram 8, Toby praises you for it and says, God made you for it. And when I'm an Enneagram 8, Toby says that I'm fired. So it's because he's not looking to have a confrontation with me. Mm. Whereas you're like, Toby, we need to have a hard conversation. I'm like, nope, you're fired. <laughs> Jared, we might need to bring you into church here. Uh, do you see some like reoccurring problems? Is it because I was a consultant for um, like back, in, back when I worked at a branding agency, and you would see a couple things like, ah, yeah, this role and this role, they always have this issue. Let's help them through it. Like now that you've been doing it for a couple of years, have you noticed a one or a couple like reoccurring uh, conflicts between tech and worship leader or tech and pastor? All the time. I think nine times out of 10, it's reoccurring. Uh, what it all what comes is the reoccurring thing though? It's communication, or or should I say, lack of communication? Or, or is it like expect? It's elaborate making on that. a making an assumption. It's making an assumption, like saying, "Oh, well, I just assumed that you knew what I meant." From you know the worship leader to the tech director, oh, I assumed you knew what I meant when I said that. Or the tech director saying, "Well, I just assumed the pastor meant this." Uh, assumptions are never a great thing. So I think the the number one thing is understanding how to communicate when you have, say, a set design change. 
It's probably not good to let your pastor see that the first time when he walks out on Sunday morning in front of the camera, you know, uh, communicating, hey, there's a set change happening. Here's a photo of what it is. Here's some camera shots with someone on stage. Do you know what you'll look like in front of that? It's it's things that I consider to be simple things that can turn into really big things if you don't communicate it. And uh, I think that's what I see more than anything is just the tech guy means well. He's worked hard. He's got all his volunteers in to do things, whether it be a, a set change or some type of improvement to stage, and then never communicates it to anyone. And then everyone gets a little aggravated. Mm. Yeah, what's what are some of the first questions you tend to ask when you go to consult at one of these churches? One of the first things I would like to ask is, hey, one, how long have you been on staff? Then the next question I like to ask is, okay, so if you've been on staff that long, what's your relationship with your lead pastor and your worship leader? Do you guys hang out outside of church on a Sunday morning? I believe that the best relationships come from having a relationship. So working on a Sunday morning where that's the only time you guys are interacting or in staff meetings during the week, but never really getting to understand how that person ticks. That's never a, a great way to go about it. Then uh, so other times I'm just there for helping them find gear, um, which that's a lot of times where you guys come in. Um, I'll sit down with the client and find out kind of what their needs are and budget is, and then help them understand how to actually work with inside a reasonable budget. Big things are cool, but uh, I would say that I work with a lot of small to medium sized churches a lot and helping them fit something inside a budget that they want to do and kind of bring them back into reality of what they can do, maybe. So uh, when you go into these situations with smaller, medium-sized churches that have unrealistic expectations, do you find yourself like often starting at, is it the gear? Is it the just education of the value of things? Is it the tuning of the room? You know, Is there a place where you often like to start or you find is most common that you have to start at? Yeah, I like to start and get the the pastor, or the worship leader, whoever has contacted me, um, get their expectation of what exactly they're looking for. Uh, I think that's something that gets missed easily because um, the worship pastor may want a new PA system. And as an audio guy, I always want a new PA system. That's <laughs> but the uh, the realistic budget and what side of what you can do and what's already in your church. Um, those are different things, you know. I'm going to guess for the church that's 700 people, most aren't going to go out and buy a new L acoustics rig. Yep. So I think setting within that, just going, Hey, let's look at what gear you have. And uh, if you, do you need more out of your speakers? Like, why are you, why are you trying to buy a new PA system and evaluate maybe some other things that are in line of what they need with processors, maybe microphones, things like that. Instead of going out and buying new, uh, I'm a big fan of finding something that's used and still in great shape for a church their size. Yeah, we see you do that often. Uh, we've seen you post uh, literally sending people to our store. So uh, thank you, Jared. Uh, it's very kind of you. Did um, we uh, Do we pay him now for these uh, you know, shout outs or is it afterwards? <laughs> oh, I've been paying him per post oh, for a of while course. now. Good. Um, <laughs> and then he funnels that back to me for my cut because I overpay yeah, exactly. him. <laughs> Toby, don't look at the finances. Um, what's the biggest bang uh, for their buck purchase most churches could make to make like the biggest impact in their production setup? 
honestly, I think it's a new camera. Um, Interesting. One thing COVID has taught us is that the lobby has moved. The lobby is not on the front doorsteps anymore. People have checked you out online before they've ever come to your church. So I consider that the the digital lobby, the lobby moved. So uh, getting a decent camera or some decent lighting to make the pastor and the band on stage look professional, I think that's one of the best places you can start. The lobby has moved. What like that needs to be a title of a blog post you do, Jared. That's or a book. That yeah. could be a book right now. Man, well, I mean, it's true. Like people really check you out. Um, I, I mean, from a marketing pers- perspective, they check out your site, they check out your Instagram, they vet you before they ever do business with you. And so, really, the game is now. I'm not. You don't need to sell anybody. You just need to provide them the info to decide if they want to, you know, go to your church or do business with you now. Um, so what's some items that you're like, you should definitely buy this used? And then what are some items that you're like, no, nah, you really need to get this one new? Is there is there, you know, a theme in that in categories of gear or is it kind of just random? I think it's just random. But uh, what I've seen more in the last probably six months is there's a lot of churches that wait a long time to upgrade their audio consoles. Um, and you can't make a great online experience with an old audio console all the time. Um, I'm a fan of older audio consoles, but sometimes you just don't have the output you need. I think uh, what most pastors and even worship leaders don't understand is like, yeah, places to plug things in on stage, but it's the outputs that you run out of first. So finding a decent audio console that you can build out uh, a good matrix or something out of to be able to make an online mix separate, that's probably one of the biggest items that I see that churches need to start investing in. Do you have uh, like kind of most common players that you refer those churches to with, you know, pretty small budgets? Like, are you constantly like, oh, you need an X32, I'm 32, or you need an Avantis, or are there certain favorites you have to to get their audio mixer upgraded without spending a hundred grand? You know, honestly, it kind of depends on the, the church and their budget. Well, I would say church size matters, but that's not necessarily uh, what I see being true. Um, there might be one church that's 500 that can go out and buy a Midas because they're they're reaching a ton of people online. They may only have 500 people coming in, but you have to take into account who those people are, where they're at in their city. Um, then there's other churches that are 500 that I would say, hey, actually, let's let's find you the cheapest digital console that we can find you. Maybe we get a rack mounted X32 or we try one used from somewhere and see if we can get a volunteer to run it. We've got an X32 rack sitting at Blake's fingertips right now. Literally looking at it now, pressing the knobs, doing things to it. Blake, I wonder if I could teach you to use that thing. I bet we couldn't. Um, (laughs) I'd rather you teach me how to change a a tire on a trailer. That's more man. Well, I don't know. Running a mix is pretty manly, I would say. So is changing a tire. Maybe we could teach you both those things, Blake. I, I, I don't know. There's we'll only make enough, a man out of you yet. Only enough room in the noggin for certain things. Um, so then is there some misconceptions where pastors will come to you or worship pastor comes to you? They're like, I want to do this, and this is how I want to accomplish it, where they'll like have a mission but be pairing the wrong like plan to the to the mission they have. Yeah, are you like, seeing like the like very common misconceptions come up over and over again that you have to educate these guys on? Yeah, I think one of them would be just like um, lighting and anything from a stage teaching monitor. You know, um, North Point several years ago 
um, the first time Andy Stanley taught with a teaching monitor, I remember being on staff at a church and everybody instantly wanted a teaching monitor on stage with them. Um, that doesn't mean your pastor actually knows how to interact with a TV uh, as a teaching monitor and use it. So it's helping them understand, well, it's a great tool. It may not be for you because that's not necessarily how you interact. Maybe you interact with someone on stage better than a random TV. Uh, others, it's, hey, we see all these like great moving lights behind churches and LED screens and LED walls. Like we need an LED wall to look great. That's that's one that I get a lot is like, hey, we really want an LED wall. Well, why do you want an LED wall? Is it because you want to have the ability to have something look different and not have to change your set design all the time? Or do you have volunteers that can help change a set design and you just need somebody with a little knowledge and maybe a little time in the creative world of how to make that stage look like something? That's much cheaper than spending, you know, a hundred thousand on an LED wall. Jared, I've got an LED wall. I'll sell you for five pennies to get it out of Toby's garage because I think he's pennies. about ready to die. It's, been it's not in the wall. garage. It's in the barn now. It's even upgraded. worse. Okay. <laughs> so, Jared, you were talking about a, a teaching screen, and it just reminded me this Sunday, um, our pastor did like a, you know a vision Sunday where he's laying out the next year's vision for our uh, nonprofit ministries that the church partners with, and so we've got a LED screen behind him. And so he starts and he said, okay, guys, can you throw up the first screen? And he just like stands there and nothing happens. And then all of a sudden it clicks with him. He's like, oh, shoot, I'm supposed to do that this week. And he like pulls out a remote, like, uh, you know, remote control. Yeah. And he's like, ah, he's like, I had one job. And the whole church just erupts laughing. So perfect point <laughs> that he's like, he never does that. He never has to change, you know, the slides on the screen. And all of a sudden he's figuring it out. And that was just a funny moment. He went from, this is yeah. so easy, tech guys, why can't you do That's it, right. too? <laughs> you need to have grace for me. Oh. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, speaking of things you need grace for, what are some of the funniest things a church has asked you and been like, hey, we want you to do this, or we want to do this, and you're like, yeah, you shouldn't do that. Like, this is actually not a good idea. Oh, man. Uh, I just had one recently, believe it or not, that, well, you can probably believe it. It's coming up to Christmas and uh, they're like, hey, we want to do a live interactive nativity. Um, what's the best covering we can get for our floor to bring in animals? I was like, you mean like like real real animals, like horses and goats? And they're like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I should I should mention that this is this is an older church building that's recently been renovated. Really nice carpet. A uh, nice wooden stage and small stairs up. I'm like I don't, I don't know the one that you've thought through this, but let's talk about the liability to having someone kicked by a goat. Wow, I, I just have you ever like been to a live nativity service, Blake? Have you ever been in a service where like real animals come through? Well, Toby, you assume you assume I go to church at all? Um, I'm just kidding. I've never been to a live <laughs> one. Um, New Vision growing up would do like outside in the parking lot. You could okay. go to different stations, which was cool. Um, so I, I've been to several, 
Um, and they're usually like mega churches that have huge budgets and they're, you know, 2,500 seat auditoriums. I do specifically remember one growing up in the San Diego area, Shadow Mountain Church, and they do this huge Christmas production every year. They'd have live animals coming through. And I may have mixed up the animals, but I'm pretty sure it was the camels that they were bringing in and they eventually had to switch it to like llamas or something. And like, this was a hundred percent true. The reason they had to is because the camels had such bad gas. Oh my that the whole church was like, we can't take this anymore. The camels smell so bad. Yeah. It's crazy. It's not like a dig on anybody that wants to do a live nativity, no. but there is a size and uh, some expectations that you've got to have in place. Well, Toby, if you still went to fellowship, so I think two <laughs> weeks ago, Lloyd basically ripped apart the whole nativity scene and was like, went through the Bible and was like, this is not actually the way you have nativities in your house. That's not really how it went down. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, dang, that's kind of mind boggling. I do miss Lloyd. I love Lloyd. I, you should. I know. Um, so Jared, uh, yeah. So how did that end up going? Like, did they accept your recommendation or are they currently ordering donkeys for a couple weeks from now? No, they actually uh, they actually accepted my recommendation because they're like, oh, we hadn't we hadn't thought through those things. I was like, well, I'm glad we're talking about this prior instead of uh, you know after you've tried, decided to do something like, hey, yeah, we we decided to bring camels through the auditorium and let the goats roam wild in the room. Uh, we didn't think about the people that are sitting ten feet from the stage. Jared's like, yeah, you can totally do this if you let me bring in three cameramen, I get to film it and do commentary and post it on YouTube after. That would be pretty funny. We should have a live nativity at Church Gear and just see what happens. Like let animals loose in the warehouse and then and then not tell Frank and then watch him try and collect them. Yeah, then, <laughs> like, this is a good YouTube bit right here. Then Chris gets really mad about how the madness is going. He spears a goat with a forklift like mm. to get rid of it. Man, this has gone dark quick. Because <laughs> I, I was thinking Chris would release the animals. I mean, he's from Alaska, so he knows some animals. He knows polar bears and sea lions, <laughs> not gassy camels. Okay, let's get back on topic. Um, so, Jared, I, I just want to keep going back to this whole, like, communications thing. Like, how do you help the worship leader, or sorry, the church tech, communicate better with the worship leader or communicate better with the pastor? Is there a technique you use? Is there a method to this is how you improve your communication and break past these bad assumptions? Because it seems like more often than not, like, tech directors don't need help with, you know, this input goes to this output, blah, 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 blah. It's the soft skills. It's the people interactions. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one of the first things I normally do is uh, I offer kind of two different programs. I offer what I call coaching and mentoring. Coaching is kind of a one-time or two or three-time thing where I'll evaluate their service, see how things are going, and then say, okay, well, what happened here? Why was this transition so rough? And usually you can start to get down to oh, well, I didn't communicate or this person didn't communicate this was happening, so this happened. Um, From there, I'll kind of talk to them and say, hey, would you like to work through having a mentorship program? And that's where I spend six to eight weeks with that person um, and kind of start to break down like, hey, where are the things that you feel like you're struggling with? What are those areas? Is it meetings and clarity? Is it vision from your worship pastor, uh, larger churches have a lot of creative teams. Are you attending those meetings? Those types of things. So really getting involved in the the day-to-day with them and then taking that and going, okay, 
how are you equipping your teams from here? That's where kind of the mentorship program comes in. And the, the whole goal of that is after six to eight weeks that you understand how to communicate with your worship pastor or lead pastor and how to take that information and go back to your volunteers for a great weekend experience. Gotcha. Yeah, it's it's so awesome uh, that you're getting to do this. And we're seeing a couple of of people starting to offer these services, and I'm glad that Church Techs are getting, getting the support that they need. Yeah, I feel like, man, I mean, I think it's just so true. Church Techs often would just love to exist in the shadows, love to not be noticed, to kind of be the quiet heroes, but they also just get dumped on so much and don't speak up about it often. So I think, you know, you helping them just learn how to speak up and speak up for yourself is just so helpful to not just get to the point where you just want to say like, I quit, I'm out, I can't do this anymore. So just have those hard conversations before you get to that point. Well, and sometimes just having an outside perspective can be super helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And I've lived in those situations where I'm like, why am I doing this? Uh, this is this is annoying. Why am I away from my family? And then realize, oh, I'm actually the one that hasn't said, hey, uh, I've been here 60 hours this week and there's three more days left in the work week and all these things are to get done. Uh, adrenaline fatigue is real and setting in. But I never spoke up. I was always the one just starting to get begrudged about it. Then I realized, oh, wait, if I'm dealing with this, I'm sure others are too. Yeah, I think it was Zach Kimry that said burnout is self-induced on the podcast. And I thought that was like kind of a mind boggling thing. Cause we typically think of burnout coming from the pastor pushing it on us or not us, I guess not me and Toby, thankfully, but, um, so Jared, we like to wrap all of our episodes up on a tech takeaway and you've seen so much tech in your 12 plus years over at real life. And then now you've seen tons of people's tech setups consulting. So very, uh, very excited and anticipating what this tech takeaway is going to be. What would you say to, to the church techs out there to help their Sundays go better? check your microphones before the service starts. I know that's like not earth shattering, but check the pastor's mic, make sure it works. Make sure there's no RF problems. We have tech runs for reasons. Check all that stuff in there. Spend more than just 30 seconds talking. Interesting. So are you seeing a lot of churches where their mics are, are going out? Like they're not, they're not working. Yep. I'll see that happen a lot. Uh, they'll say, well, I checked it from the back of the room, but no one checked it from stage where the pastor was. And sometimes, you know, your simple as your RF antenna got unhooked, or maybe there's construction in the area that moved in and it's interfering, but then the pastor's mic doesn't work when he gets on stage. That's uh, that's never good for one, your job, but two, just uh, a distraction-free service. Yeah, whenever, that's only happened a couple times uh, that I've noticed growing up and presently, and I feel like it's such a momentum killer. Uh, when the pastors now they like they feel like they got to make a riff or a joke on what's going on and never never good never yeah. good. We get so we get so wrapped up in how the snare drum sounds a lot of times as audio engineers that we forget about how the pastor's mic sounds and he's the one that spends more time on stage than the band. So make sure your pastor's mic's checked and sounds good. I'm gonna throw up a poll on that. What's more important, the snare drum or the pastor's mm. mic? Good call. Which one pays the bills? That's a great poll. Oh my gosh. Um. Well, uh, speaking of things we're going to put online, Jared, how can people find you online? What what would you like to plug, man? Man, I'm on Facebook is Toger Consulting, or you can look me up under Jared Toger. Uh, on Instagram is Jared Toger. My email is jt at jaredtoger.me. Email me. Let's connect. Love to help you and your church. Uh, I don't work in just Florida, so hit me up. 
do you ever get emails for the real JT asking to play a show and they've confused you and they've accidentally sent you a Justin Timberlake email? No, but I would definitely take that check. <laughs> so so, you, so you're not worried at all. You would just show up and be like, look, I'm here. You're going to have to pay me anyways. I feel like I have a flannel shirt and beanie. I can I can make this work for at oh. least one night. Burn. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking to tell our listening audience, just Google JT. You'll find him. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Jared, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. And hey, congratulations on Surviving Sunday. If you happen to make it through next Sunday as well, join us again for your weekly Tech Breather. So, Blake, we are in the uh, kind of the heart, but getting towards the end of our Fantasy Football League. Yep, I just beat Drew Hester's face in this past week. It was by like 80 points. That's amazing. I appreciate that um, because Drew's face is a little too beautiful. um, So it needs to be beaten every now and then. Yeah, he's too thin. I know. and uh, Muscular. So I'm uh, matched up against our buddy Nathan Hamblin up in Pennsylvania this week. And I was slated to lose. But yesterday, thank goodness Travis Kelsey did not have a great day. So now I'm back on top, like 85% chance with Monday Night Football coming. And I'm thinking, like, did I find a cheat code to figure this thing out? Well, and I'm thinking, don't you know, we can just have Ryan as the commission change the score for you if you ever lose. Can we do that? That literally we could. We will oh my not. Goodness. We will not. Ryan, your job is now on the line. To the make integrity me win. of the league is important. Nah, don't worry about integrity. Just I like, want to win. Just like the cheat code that Toby used to probably win this week in fantasy, mm-hmm. you can use a cheat code to save 11% off on churchgear.com with code podcast this is our highest discount of any of the codes we've ever done and will always be the highest because uh, i make the codes and i care about the podcast so use code podcast to get 11 percent off at churchgear.com and nathan hamblin you might want to use that code to uh, you know kind of make yourself feel better after i crush you this week Okay, Blake, I've been working on some jingles for our new website launch. So I've got churchy, churchy, church, church gear. Toby, what have I told you about singing on the podcast? It doesn't work. But you know what is working? Our new website. You can actually get it to load on your phone. You can actually buy a new piece of gear without your phone bursting into flames. Well, what if I spelled it out like C-H-U-R-C-G-E-R? Toby, Toby, stop. That is not working. But you know what is working? The search bar on our website. You can actually search speakers and speakers will appear. No joke, that didn't always work. Okay, what if I just did something like go to churchgear.com? Uh, you know what? That one works.